Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Health Conscious Podcast. I'm Peyton Eisner, joined by Christian. Christian, how are you? I'm doing well. Looks like we're just turning the corner of weather in Ithaca. Like, it's just getting gray. It's just getting wet. It's just getting cold, and I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, me either. It's the uh, the dreaded portion of winter is is looming with us. But the good news is we've got a great podcast for everyone today with Joseph De Los Santos, so it should be pretty exciting, Christian. Yeah, I'm really excited for this episode. Um, for listeners who aren't aware of this, actually, Jody Los Santos uh, started this podcast. This was his his brainchild. In fact, if you go back to season one, you can hear him. He has lots of great episodes um, on there as well. So, Peyton, we've kind of come full circle with this podcast by having the original host on the air with us today. Yeah, absolutely. And for those not familiar with Joe, uh, it's been a few years since that podcast started, but he did get his bachelor's degree in public health from UC Irvine in 2014, took a couple of years off to work in the healthcare sector before coming to Sloan Program in Health Administration here at Cornell, um, graduated in 2019. And since then, he's been at Blue Shield of California in their Emerging Leader Program, um, which is a great insurance style fellowship program for those interested in the payer space. But we're going to talk to him a little bit more about that, insurance, professional development, and tips for everyone as they go through a MHA program or other relevant ones. So should be a good episode, but we'll toss it over to Joseph and uh, see you guys on the other side. All right. Well, we're here with Joseph. Joseph, how are you today? Hey, doing well. Sunny skies, no smoke, can't complain. Hey, hey, that's a win over there in California. That's for sure. Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, We wanted to start off by asking um, a little bit about uh, your career and your time um, post Sloan, post MHA. Um, and we know now that you're over at Blue Shield of California. Why don't you tell us all a little bit about what about the insurance and payer side of the healthcare industry kind of drew you? Yeah, sure. Um, so thus far in my career, I've, I worked at a hospital, mainly in clinical research, but worked on kind of patient experience projects, uh, worked um, at Kaiser in the medical group. Um, and insurance was an area that uh, it's not super well covered. We know it from like a high level academic perspective. Um, but I felt like for me to be kind of holistic and like my understanding of the systems, uh, you know, an opportunity like the one that I found at Blue Shield uh, was important. Um, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, for membership, uh, what insurance companies do is that they work through brokers, and that's for a majority of their members. Uh, so there's all these other parties that are involved that, you know, we didn't necessarily learn about uh, in our program, and they're like super crucial and important for kind of the business of healthcare. Um, so that was kind of my interest. Another thing uh, that I would say on top of that is that I took Carter Dredge's. Uh, alternative payments class. Uh, and that really opened my eyes to looking at the incentives of the health system. And, you know, he went through some of his examples um, kind of in his work and how that's led to a lot of frustrations and kind of pushed him into the place that he's at now um, uh, at SSM Health, uh, kind of working in transformation and, and driving value-based payment type of work. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a whole side of healthcare that sometimes people neglect to think about. Um, 
you're over at Blue Shield doing the Emerging Leader Program, which you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think is pretty um, similar to what some might expect um, on the hospital side to be equivalent to a fellowship of some sort. Um, uh, I know a lot of people aren't quite familiar with the idea of sort of doing a fellowship type program in an insurance and payer side company. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like and you know what goes on on a daily basis in, in that emerging leader program? Yeah, sure. Um, so my program uh, in, in hospitals, there's a couple different types of programs. There's one where you're kind of working on special projects. Uh, there's ones that look at, you know, more rotational where you go department to department. Uh, and I would say that my program's more closer to the latter. Uh, we do four six month rotations with different departments throughout the company. Um, for me, I started my first rotation in internal audit, and that was a really good kind of introduction at looking at the company uh, overall and how we were doing in the overall health. Uh, then I moved over to our kind of markets or sales organization um, with core and small group uh, strategic planning. So that's for employers between two and 3,000 employees and uh, working with the brokers and the employers on uh, getting Blue Shield plans for those employees. Um, and my last rotations, or my most recent rotation is in Medicare strategy uh, in our senior markets organization. So learning more about Medicare and all that entails. Um, but there's a lot of other opportunities that work on care management uh, and vendor management uh, within our healthcare quality and affordability arm, um, as well as finance, you know, communications, HR. Uh, it's really a variety of roles that touch, uh, that you touch on in health insurance. Good stuff, Joe. I, I love those rotational programs, right? They kind of let you be an inch deep and a, and a mile wide across the organization and so kind of a, a process of self-discovery of, you know, I like this, I don't like this, I'm good at this, I'm not good at this, that kind of launch you into your, your, uh, your next role. So kind of along those same lines, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what post, a post-fellowship career looks like um, in insurance, right? I mean, I'm, I'm coming from a, a place where I've recruited for consulting and it's very clear cut, right? Where what your re roles are and responsibilities are after mm -hmm. a certain amount of time, et cetera. Um, kind of just wanted to hear what roles and responsibilities look like um, as one progresses in a career within, the within um, insurance. Yeah, um, it kind of depends on where your interests lie, I would say. My program is uh, a little over four years old. So the people from the first cohort think the highest role is a director um, at this point for a person in that cohort. Usually people go into consultant type roles uh, as an ind individual contributor or manager and sometimes senior manager roles kind of across the organization. So could be working on uh, kind of vendor management. We have an area called Global Business Services that works on that. Uh, could be uh, in our innovation group. Uh, you could be a principal. You could work as a consultant and you know eventually a principal there and help drive our innovation um, initiatives throughout the company. Uh, you could work. Uh, I know there's one person who uh, was part of the, the Medicare operations team and now he works in operations and compliance. Um, as, a, as a consultant. So uh, there's a variety of roles that people kind of fall into. 
Um, it just really depends on their interests and availability uh, when they apply. Gotcha. Very nice. Thanks for explaining those uh, different different routes uh, that, that one can go and um, how there are several different paths that one can pursue. Um, so Joe, uh, insurance has been under a fair amount of scrutiny, especially in the past few months. Um, I would love you to respond, if you wouldn't mind, to a quote from the LA Times um, article that was, that was actually just was actually came out yesterday um, that kind of poses the, the insurance industry broadly as less than benevolent. Here's the quote that I'd love you to respond to. Um, Americans are protecting themselves from the COVID-19 pandemic in part by staying home and foregoing routine medical exams and other forms of non-urgent health care. Yet the country's largest, largest commercial health insurer on Wednesday reported a better than expected $3.2 billion in quarterly profit, $3.2 billion. And it reaped this windfall despite offering what it called extensive financial assistance for some policyholders in the form of reduced rates and co-pays, all of which raises an important question. How much profit is enough when it comes to health insurance? Yeah, uh, that's, that's a great kind of article to point out. And that's definitely something that's been in the news a lot lately, and especially over the time of COVID. Um, I think uh, I can speak on behalf of like my organization at, at Blue Shield, uh, the way that they've positioned themselves as a nonprofit health plan is that they're not gonna make more than 2% um, kind of income, um, nothing greater than that. So anything that we get over that 2% mark uh, gets donated back to the community via grants or potentially premium credits. Um, I would say that, you know, again, speaking for the organization that I work at, um, they've done a lot with providers, you know, providing like $200 million in credit line and additional resources, investing a lot in medical groups. We have some value-based um, payment plan models that um, more providers are hopping in on and uh, that allows them to get a steadier stream of uh, revenue. Um, you know, talking about incentives again, uh, you know, the way that hospitals make a lot of money um, is via, you know, complex procedures and surgeries uh, or people, you know, going to ER. Um, and it's definitely important for people to get care. Um, but you have to think about like sites of care, uh, as well as um, you know looking at those incentives again of you know trying to help you know members, patients overall, uh, and, and what can be done in that manner. Um, so that's I, I guess the way that I would put it is you know we want to make sure patients get the the right care. Um, some insurance companies, um, for-profit companies like you know United. Um, you know, have that, but I think that an underlying uh, thing to consider is that, you know, in the conversations that have been going on in my company, there's you know, a lot of worry about people not getting care and pushing it off because people are going to come sicker back uh, when they get care, um, you know, whether it's later this year or, or next year as things get figured out with COVID. Uh, so it's definitely, there may be profits now, but that's because people are not going to the hospital and there's been a lot of efforts um, to get patients to see their providers and to get the care that they need. I think you raised a, a great point there. Uh, 
about the entire COVID-19 crisis. So thanks for your insight. Um, kind of transitioning a little bit, um, as many people probably know, you helped start this podcast um, a few years ago, and we're, Christian and I are graciously um, happy to, to be the host, but you had a, a ton of guests on when, when you were helping to host this podcast, and we're always talking to them about professional development, early careerist advice. Uh, and now that you're, you know, a little bit out of the Sloan program and, and an MHA program, um, when you look back and you're thinking about, you know, your time in school, uh, what's some advice that you would give yourself, um, you know, now um, to a former self of yours when you were back in an in a MHA program? Yeah, I, I would say keep being curious and being open uh, and persistent. Um, I think those are important things to consider. Um, you know, that, you know, my curiosity in doing, you know, a podcast or something that, um, you know, luckily the, the program was supportive of and helped me get in connection to contacts. And then, you know, after my classmates saw kind of what I was interested in, um, a few of those folks who I interviewed were referrals from other students. So um, there's that, there's, you know, getting involved in terms of clubs on campus. Uh, I was able to put together two kind of consulting projects uh, with uh, Hilton and Pacific Life. Uh, and that allowed us to um, really get practical experience for an issue for a company. Um, so and a lot of that was from curiosity and not being afraid to reach out to people uh, you know, rejection will happen for sure, but you gotta you gotta stay persistent and keep going uh, if you're interested in certain things and trying to make those opportunities for yourself. Yeah, I agree. I think that is absolutely critical. Um, always putting yourself in uncomfortable places is where you, I, I think, learn the most. Um, and in a similar line of questioning, um, you know, when you're thinking about students who are in an MHA program or something equivalent, looking to get into healthcare, what is something that you think students um, can do during school or maybe in a, a gap year between programs of some sort um, to better prepare themselves for future career opportunities and making the most of those uh, opportunities once they secure them? Uh, I would say uh, have a lot of, as many conversations as you can uh, with people within companies or in the industry yourself it's important to be like well read with what's going on. Um, so I'm sure, um, you know, your administrators have told you to sign up for Kaiser Health News or, you know, Beckers and stuff like that. Keeping abreast of all that information, um, connecting with the alumni network. Uh, everyone's, you know, super open. And so far in my experience, been been very open to speaking with students or people who recently finished the program. Uh, I've definitely connected with people who are out here in California. Um, so I, I would say being curious and kind of inquisitive to people's paths and trying to, um, you know, guide you to the right place. So Joe, when I've spoken with my mentors across the healthcare ecosystem, but you know, specifically in the provider space, a piece of, a piece of advice that I frequently receive is, get some sort of experience with payers. Like you have to understand how mm -hmm. you get paid. Right. Yep. Uh, it's been something that I've been told frequently. And, you know, for that reason, I actually, I, um, 
you know, one of the, one of the capstone projects I was interested in was Excellus New York. And that's actually who I'm working with this, uh, this next, awesome. which is exciting. Um, so to pose, so I just want to pose you the question, why do you think, or do you think more um, graduate students, you know, MHAs, MPHs, MBAs, et cetera, um, should consider um, working in the payer space post-graduation? So yes, uh, definitely want students to uh, look for opportunities within insurance. Um, there's a lot about the business of healthcare um, that gets covered. I've talked about a little bit earlier about brokers uh, and their kind of piece in the business and as well as understanding how contracting work and what you know, insurance needs to cover versus what providers or hospitals need, need to cover. And that's not really talked about in most MHA programs. So most are focused on you know, hospitals and consulting, um, but you could take a lot of skills, whether it's an internship or a fellowship, uh, and either continue down the path uh, with, the, with the payer, or you could take that knowledge back to a hospital and uh, kind of use that as your kind of negotiation bargaining chip uh, once you know those conversations and understand kind of uh, how things should be navigated. Yeah, it does seem fairly binary at times, like the, the, the post-grad post, uh, school route. So um, definitely, definitely appreciate that. So Joe, we, all, we ask uh, all of our guests the same question. There's one question that we have in common no matter who we're interviewing. Um, and that question is, what's a tool that aspiring healthcare leaders should add to their toolkit? Uh, I kind of talked about it earlier, but yeah, having curiosity and being persistent. I think those are two things that uh, are definitely necessary because um, you're definitely going to come into situations where, you know, you don't know everything. You know, you, you have a great, you know, Cornell Sloan education, um, but you're not going to be the expert and you need to be kind of humble about that uh, and be able to be curious and ask questions uh, to make sure that you understand processes and uh, could good, make good recommendations moving forward. So uh, that's what I would say. Yeah, I think that's great advice and uh, similar along the lines to what other people have said. So we should definitely take note of that. But uh, Joe, thank you so much for, for joining us today on this podcast. Uh, it's been really great to have you back on and complete the full circle and um, get, a, get a perspective from a recent graduate in a, in a different area than a lot of other students tend to go into. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me on. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. And for everybody listening, more information will be found in the show notes at the bottom. And uh, keep in check and make sure to subscribe and, and be on the lookout for more episodes. Thanks. Thanks for listening.